Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Namaste, my friends. This is Alec Vishal Rubin, happy as can be to be living the summer vibe. We are here to welcome you back to the Yoga Revealed podcast, a true source of yogic wisdom to evolve your practice of yoga. We hope you have signed up for the Yoga Revealed podcast newsletter as we have master teachers to share with you in the following weeks. If you haven't done so yet, go to yogarevealed.com and sign up. Today, I'm excited to introduce Gina Murdoch, local yoga teacher native to Aspen, Colorado. I met her while tribal marking at the Wanderlust Festival and fell in love with her instant connection to spirit. My own awakening, it's like we all, it's like the hero's journey. It's like you learn about yourself and then the, the, the journey is to share it. If you do a path and you, you overcome some obstacles but you don't share it, you're missing that really key component to sort of realize you have this potential you never knew you had and then to share that that you learned with somebody else that's going to need to know what you know and that's going to help them on their journey. Tune into this episode as we remember from Gina Murdoch the key components to what brought us into life, that we are truly supported, full of love, and here to serve one another. Enjoy this episode of the Yoga Revealed Podcast. Namaste, my friends, and welcome back to Yoga Revealed Podcast. This is Alec Rubin, and it is such a pleasure to be connected with you today. And I'm here in beautiful Aspen, Colorado, looking out the windows and staring at Aspen trees and the mountains here at Wanderlust Festival, and I'm sitting across from the amazing Gina Murdoch, a local Aspen teacher. And Gina, thank you so much for taking some time to share with us your path of yoga and that which you transmit to the community here through the path and the vibration of yoga. Thank you. You're welcome, Alec. It's really an honor to be here and such a blessing to meet so many beautiful souls at a gathering like this where so many of us come together with that intention of joy and healing and celebration. So thank you. Yeah. So I uh, was uh, meeting Gina the last two days at Wanderlust when I was here with the tribal marking team. And if you haven't been tribal marked, look out for it. Yoga Revealed is with tribal markers quite often. And I was tribal marking Gina up and the whole community and the wisdom that Gina was bringing into her class was so 
hmm, full of connection, your connection catalyst. And you bring, you're bringing people together through this point of, you know, sometimes there's moments, at least in my life, where I feel separated and that's an illusion. Hmm. And, and I think that you completely had an ability to just dissolve any point of separation that anyone in the class was feeling from their own individual story that we are all telling ourselves at all these times and gosh your words were just bringing everyone together through one single breath and it was so beautiful so that is something that I would love to share with our listeners that which you brought to to the table and that what you bring yeah Well, I just want to mention, you know, we started this podcast with just taking uh, some moments to be still and to take some deep breaths and to connect inward. And similarly with the yoga classes, I think what we give ourselves this opportunity to do is to create a sacred space, uh, a space of healing. We call that into the space wherever it is. So it can be outside in nature or in a yoga studio or on uh, our mats at home. And what I think is so important is to kind of create a ritual out of the practice. And that's what I've been doing lately more. Um, I shared with you my, my yogic journey started uh, with, I call it the gateway drug of Bikram yoga, which, um, you know, bless his heart, uh, Bikram has turned a lot of people onto the yoga practice because he made yoga really accessible with those 26 postures and two breathing exercises and very much a routine, uh, they call it the McDonald's of yoga, which, you know, is kind of what it is. It's like this standardized practice that people are teaching all around the globe. And it's a series that that tends to be somewhat addicting and the sweating and that whole experience. So that was the, the gateway for me. And since I went to that training in, um, 2007 and really immersed in that practice, it's just been, um, a journey of discovery of self for me being, being a yoga teacher. It's really about learning about myself. And then through that exploration and that self inquiry, I've been able to share, you know, what I'm learning when I'm learning it. So the class you would have taken from me a few years ago would have been a lot different because I was at a different state of awareness with my own self. And I was still, you know, putting things out there. But I would say um, in the last three years or so, I've really deepened my connection with um, spirit, with that which is greater than ourselves. Mm. Um and I'll tell you a little bit about that journey if that please, seems please, like the, yes. the right time to go into that. Um, you know, interestingly, when when we met at the class that I did here, it was about mantra and movement. It was based on the Seven Spiritual Laws of Yoga, which is a book that Deepak Chopra wrote. And I had the opportunity to meet him about three years ago, and I work with him. I'm on uh, the board of the Chopra Foundation, which is a really beautiful um, nonprofit organization-based um well, it's kind of global, but the mission is to raise consciousness. It's like simply put all the issues that we're facing in the world from starvation to sex slavery to environmental de- degradation to injustices across the board is um, can be attributed to our state of consciousness. So when you look at things from that energetic level, many people in the world are 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 existing in that very tribal mentality. It's really that fight or flight. It's the reptilian brain that's that's 
that's in charge when you come into that tribal warfare where it's really based on right and wrong and these type of um, activities where people are killing each other over their views. So having a mission to raise consciousness as an organization is really powerful. And I know from my own experience, the more that I've had the opportunity to inquire within myself to do some of that inner work, um, I feel like I've been able to raise my own state of consciousness so that I can show up differently with people. I've noticed in my relationships, my personal relationships, I'm less reactive. And um, coming back to sort of the class that I did and, and where I'm at right now with my journey, it's so much about cultivating the witness and the observer. And we talked about that a lot in class. And I, I guided the students through this journey of trying to find that that presence within that is immortal, that is eternal, that we could call the soul or the higher self or the self with a big S. I was thinking big ass, but it's big S, <laughs> the big S, the big S self. And when when you or when I am connected to that that sense of self, that's not the small self, not the ego self, um, there is a, you know, a connection to something that's bigger. And, and again, it's like this, this quality of immortality of eternal. It's like that full infinity symbol that just exists within. And when I connect to that space of knowing that it's not about Gina Murdoch, the teacher, the writer, the, you know, organizer, the wife, the daughter, those labels, I, um, I get just like almost ecstatic, you know, it's like this feeling of just pure joy and it, it, it is that feeling of infinite love that is the truth of who we are. And I think all of us are on a journey of discovering who we are. Mm. Like, I truly believe that's why we're here. Mm. I think we're born with that innocence and that just pure consciousness. And then as we grow up, there's these layers and layers of socialization and conditioning that really kind of start to block that essence or that light or that infinite infinite love that we are inside and we don't even know what's happening because it's just how we live it's all all we know um and then the process of self-discovery that happens for a lot of us like say in our 20s when you go to college and you start living on your own and you start making your own decisions and start questioning things i don't know that's when it happened for me is just this inquiry into like who am i and what what is this all about what am i doing mm. here you know? It's such a beautiful question to ask every day. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and it might be interesting just to walk through that little meditation that I did because um, I don't, I think even as a listener that we can do this practice of finding that observer, that presence and, you know, give your listeners an opportunity to tap into that state of being, you mm. know, where it's not about the, um, the I that is connected with your roles that you play, mm. but it's the I that is the like I am, mm. just simply. Maybe at the end we'll end with a few minutes of that meditation. Yeah, we can definitely I do love that. that. It's yeah. cool. It's a, it's an easy practice, and and honestly, I'm just gonna throw it out right now because we're there. Sweet. And this comes from Deepak again, and and he's been a mentor to me, and he's you know he's pretty far out. He wears the funny glasses and. I never, I actually was never that attracted to him as a teacher before I met him and, and started talking to him and started working with him. And then just being around his presence, um, there's such a state of flow of just like, just like truly acquiescing to the intelligence of the universe mm. and just letting go. And I think that concept is something we should talk about too, that act of surrender and letting go, um, because it's almost co counterintuitive to our, um, 
our will, right? Which is so much a part of how we live our life on sort of the goal line, goal line being sort of our human um, trajectory to amass some kind of wealth and power and security. You know, the thing that we're trained to do since we're born is to like make sure you have a good job and, you know, you get married and have your kids and then you just do, you kind of go through these steps. Um, And there's nothing wrong with that. Those are beautiful things and rituals. But um, to me, the journey is, is so much more about really inquiring what is the manifestation of Gina Murdoch for like really um, thinking about the fact that an acorn turns into an oak tree without any effort it just is that's like sort of it's it's isness or it's beingness and a little zygote turns into a baby and um, a caterpillar turns into a butterfly and I've witnessed those things actually happening you know the baby you know just through like a video when you see what's going on it's like holy cow miraculous mm. and so for us as human beings as mere mortals to sort of fight against that energy or that 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 creates those things you know mm. that intelligence it's like it's silly and laughable when you think about it and so that's what i mean when i talk about sort of surrendering and letting go it's like can we stop and reflect and listen so that we can feel those impulses that are moving through us because we're part of that cosmic dance. You know, we're part of this creation that is just like bubbling up all around us in mountains and streams and the whole universe. And so we're some part of that and it's magical and mystical. And I think in so many ways we've just dumbed it down. We've dumbed down the experience of being human kind of missing the fact that we're actually spiritual beings having a human experience versus the other way around, Mm. which is what often happens that we feel very human and we go shopping and we deal with those householding kind of items. And then every once in a while we have a spiritual experience and we go like, whoa, (laughs) what was that? And then oftentimes we kind of shut down. It's not like, like, let me explore that more. It's kind of like, that was crazy. That was cool. But like, I don't get it. And so I'm going to kind of shut that that part of me that is open to receiving these messages from spirit and the universe because it's scary and it's unknown and it's so infinite that it's kind of mind boggling. Mm. And I think it takes a lot of bravery and courage as an explorer on the path to be willing to open up into that journey of exploring the infinite and like, what does that really mean? And then you ask these questions, who am I? And it's like a rabbit hole because there's not an easy answer really. Mm. I mean, I don't know. What's your experience in, in, when you ask that question? Does that feel like, um, do you feel calm about it? Or is there a feeling of anxiety in any way? Because I think some people get a little bit nervous, <laughs> you know, about inquiring in I? that way. Yeah. Who am I? Well, I haven't been asked that in a while, but I do ask myself that a lot. I wake up in the morning and I think that the question <laughs> that arises is, well, who who do I choose to be today? Mm. You know? Who can I become today? Yeah. Who can I look up to in my brothers and my sisters that I aspire to be? You know, I was uh, talking to Rod Stryker the other day, yesterday, yeah. and uh, he'll be on the podcast, and he was saying, you know, if you can look at your teachers and and say, like, wow, they are so humble, they experience, they have so much uh, humility, and, and they have less fear than me, and, and uh, that's someone who I strive to be. Like, I, I want to be like my teacher, who is better than me, more evolved than me in some point. And I, I want to practice in such a regard and I want to study under them. So 
you know, I, I uh, who am I? I am Alec Vishal Rubin, and I like to joke I'm a crazy Indian Jew. And, mm. uh, you know, I, I like to bring humor into it. I like to make people smile. And I am uh, a sensation of happiness. You know, I'm a bridge to happiness. Yeah. I think that's a powerful question. Yeah. And a lot of people do uh, experience moments of anxiety. Like, shit, who, who am I? Yeah. I, I don't know who I am. But I know I have this light in me that wants to shine. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the moment, though, when we're at our weakest points in life, which happens. Yeah. And I think that that shadow work is important. Yeah. I I talk about it a lot because I've been in the shadow a lot in my life. But I've also experienced so much light because of being in my own shadow. And your time in your life when you've been just like, in the dark cloud. Goodness gracious, what have been the greatest tools for you when asking yourself, who am I in this, like, how have you found solace? How have you found the light and in, in, uh, moving forward? I mean, I think that's sort of like the, one of the eternal questions is mm. how, what's the resilience that we have as human beings, right? Because the, the journey is so much about ups and downs. It's yin and yang. I mean, nature shows us the uh, the opposites it's cold it's hot it's high it's low you know i mean we're part of that system of nature that is always seeking balance and homeostasis so for me um in those times that were harder and i was pretty hard on myself i would say um probably around seven years ago for me was a time of great deep exploration of the who am i really questioning it and feeling really uncomfortable that i didn't know and being like you were saying, um, and just a side note, like just being around Alec, who's here with me, I, there's such it's such a cool thing because we exchange energy as human beings, and just being around your energy is really feels uplifting, <laughs> warm, and it is fun. And it's like this is how life should be, and it's cool to have just a a, a conversation about life. Mm. So honoring you and in, in this offering that you're giving from your heart. Um, but I digress. Um, you know, it's 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 that feeling of, of purpose. So I do a lot of work in the arena of like well-being. So I have a project called the Aspen City of Wellbeing Project. And my mission and vision there is that we create a, a global hub for well-being in Aspen. And I'm mobilizing all the stakeholders in the area where this is our priority. So we prioritize, prioritize well-being for the community. We measure it and we strive to improve it in some way. And so there's a sense of purpose there for me because I'm really, um, I'm really sort of, I resonate with that kind of calling to do that work. But, um, and a lot of other things too that I do now that are really feeling fulfilling from a sense of purpose. But when I moved to Aspen around seven years ago, I was kind of lost. I was in a transitional period. And that sense of purpose was that thing that like almost hung over me like a cloud where I was like, what, you know, I was like really hard on myself. Like, what are you doing, Gina? Like what, like I, I had such a, a fire inside, like so much energy that I wanted to give and share, but I didn't have a platform and I didn't have, um, an audience, you know, to share any of the stuff that I wanted to share. And I just felt like almost impotent in the sense that there was so much energy inside of me, but it didn't have a channel. 
almost like a, a river dammed up. And then I went from that phase of feeling really dammed up to like spreading out super thin, where it was almost like a wetland, you know, like all the energy of me was just spread over all this landscape. So I was doing a lot, like I was on all these different boards and doing all these different jobs, trying to contribute in some way. But it was almost coming from, I feel like an energy source that I would equate to like a coal powered fire plant or nuclear power. It was like there was a dirty energy source in some way that was fueling my activity because mm. it was coming from a sense of like needing to prove myself. You know, I was like, I was out there doing all this stuff, but it was like I needed recognition or I needed somehow to prove that I was worthy in some way at that point in my life. And then the journey for me of self-discovery and just having this connection with uh, spirit, something bigger than myself, brought me into this point where I feel like it's like a renewable energy source. It's like I'm feeling that connection to source. And so it's just coming through me. And the work that I do is coming from a place of joy and of like being of service. Mm -hmm. And it shifted in a way that was really remarkable and like, like profound and, and almost for me, like, like, like there's a moment where I remember doing certain things that were, people were like giving me, um, praise and applause and like good job and it felt really empty because I didn't have that sense of joy I was doing it because I needed to almost like satiate that feeling of unworthiness or shame or whatever that I didn't even know I had but you know I discovered later and then shifting into that like acceptance of who I am and like honoring who I am and just being really honest with myself and getting quiet and the, the rituals of meditation and a yoga practice, a home yoga practice for me has been really instrumental, getting quiet. And then there's just, it's almost inevitable that you start to connect with the presence mm. that is that Im immortal, eternal part. Mm. And when I connect to that, I do, I feel this like radiance and this feeling of love that I feel like comes from this intelligence, this like amazing intelligence of the universe where, you know, everything kind of grows and has this cycle and mm. like knowing I'm a part of that and letting go of the result. Mm. The Bhagavad Gita has this great um, saying and, you know, one of many, but it's like perform action without regard to the fruits of the action. And it's mm. very powerful. And Gandhi said the same thing. And the Buddhist teachings say a lot of the same things. It's like, can you have an intention to be of service? One, truly, like from your heart, not because you want to make people like you because you're like doing a great job, but just really giving it up that that you you believe in humanity and you care about people and you want to serve. So can you have an intention to serve an intention to, um, you know, I always like to say, be the change. It's like if something's bugging me, do I want to bitch about it and complain about it? Or do I want to take action in some way that's positive and try to shift and in that intention to shift without regard to the result? Mm. And I think that's such a huge lesson is to let go of the fruits of your labor. You know, it's like you have a podcast, you want to be of service, but it's like maybe nobody listens to it. But it's still like you're putting it out there because it's in your heart and you mm. want to share Luckily, some people are listening, <laughs> right? <hope> so. <laughs> and I think sometimes when you do things from that place of love, mm. truly, it's sort of like success is is inevitable. Um, so yeah, about two weeks ago, I had an incredible blessing to listen to the Dalai Lama and uh, see you, Boulder. Cool. And um, someone had asked a question about ego and service. And he was like, it's interesting, in his broken English, <laughs> yeah. when, you know, the ego says, I serve you 
you know, and uh, then I couldn't understand what else he said. <laughs> but, you know, I, I Googled it, you know, Dalai Lama, ego, I, and serve, and it just is a unique um, shift in the psyche hmm. and in, like, the soul level of awakening to serve others. I, I think that that's at least how what you say resonates with me. Yeah. On uh, waking up to, to serving one another, truly. Yeah. I know. I think as, as, as humans on this planet, we can just bypass the journey in some ways. Like because the Dalai Lama has told us that service is the way because mother Teresa, because these people that we can look up to as, as figures that we can admire. It's like, you don't have to spend all this time trying to figure it out. Like just realize that the path of service is the path of enlightenment in a certain way. And yeah, it's not that simple that you just go to a soup kitchen and have a bad attitude and serve soup. And so it does take that journey of the individual to come to a place where you, you humbly serve because it actually is serving you. Mm. I love just like the simplicity of giving a hug. Like I give people hugs a lot and I do it as much for me as I do for them. But I can sense that a lot of people do not have that like physical touch in their life or they don't have that level of intimacy. Um, and it's not sexual at all. I mean, it's, it's like, can we connect as human beings? Like you and I did when we met, it's like, here's a human being that I don't even know you, but it's like, we can go into that embrace and sort of soften into it. And all of a sudden you sort of start to connect with the heartbeat and the breath. Mm. And it's just for a few seconds or moments. And it's so healing on both sides. You know, if you're really willing to sort of surrender into it, um, and be open and be open and not be shy. Like that. If you hug somebody, they're going to think something of you or you're over friendly or you're this or that. Um, I mean, there, there's, it can be overboard. I mean, you have to, you know, have discernment. I think yes. that's a word that I've been really, uh, it's just been visiting me a lot. It's uh -huh. like discernment. And I'm like, okay, I hear you. But like my husband is an amazing man, but he sort of like I had to train him how to give hugs, you know, cause he'd do those like the patting on the back. You're like, Oh, and I'm like, what is that? Like, what are you doing? And he's just like, uh, inside, so like I'd like make him stay and just like hold in there. And he kind of softened. Mm. And now, I mean, he can do it, but it wasn't natural for him. He, he was uncomfortable. Wow. So, and everyone has their own little story of, of how they feel with people. There's, I don't know. I like, to touch people. I like to, uh, I think in the beginning of that class that I did, it, or I think it was the one the day before we sat in a circle mm. and I like this, this sort of activity of holding hands where the left hand is facing up, which is receptivity. It's the feminine, the right hand faces down and you hold hands in a circle and just breathe. And you start to feel this like line of energy that moves through because there's this like receptivity and then this sort of masculine side that's like that giving that pushing out and it's not hard to feel and it's just like how when you take a couple deep breaths um it can change everything physiologically you know like it's the quickest way to raise your level of consciousness like immediately is to take a couple mm -hmm. deep breaths <sighs> mm. <laughs> you know and meditation obviously is is sort of the next step but just those those pauses before you react huge right it's hard sometimes it's hard yeah because it's I think like it just <sighs> takes takes practice it's practice you know yeah so letting the practice seep in at least in my experience that i find that i'm mostly challenged with my parents 
Ooh. Yes, those. <laughs> I think Ram Das says this funny quote. He's like, "You think you're enlightened? Spend the weekend with your parents." Because like here we are, we're all like yogis, and we're just like, "Oh yeah, it feels so good." Chanting kirtan and like hugging, and then you go home and you like have these relatives that are completely different views. They like make fun of the way you look, the way you talk, the way you eat, you know. And it's like, but this is like who I am, mm. you know. And it's like, can you hold the center and be kind to the people that are not willing to meet you where you're at? Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. in society, it's like, can how can we meet each other where we're at? Like, politically, it's just so divisive to sit with someone who is radically, you know, right and, and on the right side, let's say. And I'm more on the left side of the political spectrum. And I, I used to be very angry, anti, like, almost wrong. You guys are like, how could you possibly you know, feel that way. Be a Republican. No I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then, but I noticed that, you know, you don't get anywhere like that. It's just, it's yeah. creating that separation that you started this podcast by saying, you know, it's an illusion. And I think we're here to awaken from the illusion of separation. Mm. It's like that basic Buddhist teaching that we're just struggling with all the time. It's like, you're different than me and I'm better than you, or you're, you know, you don't have this. And, even what you're saying about the teachers, like when you look up to somebody, which is awesome, it's how we learn is like by imitation. We're like monkeys. Mm. Our genes are like 98% the same as a chimpanzee. So we're really similar to them. So we emulate the people that we uh, admire. Mm. Sean Korn was somebody when I was sort of a young new yoga teacher, when I saw her, I was like, oh my God, like, wow, she's amazing. And interestingly, recently I did a practice, it's called positive projection. And so it's just this practice of looking at like somebody in your life that you just think is so amazing and then breaking it down and being honest and saying, where do you have that inside of you? And it's like, at first you're like nowhere. Like I'm not like that at all. She's like so eloquent and amazing and just powerful. And for me at this wanderlust, it was kind of a powerful uh, awaking and experience because I was like teaching yoga sort of side by side. Sean Korn had a class and I had a class. I'm sure her class was amazing, but my class was amazing too. And it wasn't that many years ago that I was like, she's like a goddess and so far from me. I didn't recognize that I had any of that inside of myself at all. And then like, this was like a, a kind of a, a moment of like, wow, you know, there is that. In, and there's a saying of like, you spot it, you got it. <laughs> so that stuff that you see in Rod Stryker or whoever some of those teachers are, it's like you see that because there's some part of you that recognizes it. And it's the same way with, you know, somebody who pisses you off. It's like, that guy's an asshole. Well, you're an asshole too. You know, I mean, that's where it's all about self-reflection and mm. all about self-inquiry. And so it goes both ways. There's negative projections, which we spend our life doing. We're always like, oh, that's wrong. That's stupid. That's gay. That's this. Blah, blah, blah. And then there's the positive ones, which are kind of fun to look at. Like to say, wow, Gina Murdoch, I saw something in you that was really, really cool. And I'm like, awesome. You know, you've got that light in there too, which I think you know. But it's kind of cool to look at it like that and to own your gifts, you know, mm. in a sense. of Like mm. what moves you is something that's alive inside of you. Mm. So it's fun. Mm. In your own life, when have you really uh, settled into understanding how to harness and share your gifts? Mm. Good question. <laughs> <laughs> like right now? No. I think it's a process, you know? It's like on every step of the way, I've always been a 
person who says yes. And I think that's a gift. I think some people are born with like, you know, it's like the optimism versus pessimism. I'm just an optimist. I like to look at what's right in the world. And it's so interesting. And, and I'll mention my husband again. He's an amazing person, but there's something his lens is about sort of um, mitigating risk and looking at like what can go wrong. And for some reason, I was attracted to that, which is interesting. But I'm like the opposite. I just have the open mind, open heart. Like it's all going to work out. It's going to be good. And he's just like, whoa, what are you doing? You can't travel there. You're a woman and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, no, I'll be fine. And um, I don't I don't know why I brought that up, but it was like this idea of, of the gifts is like I'm open to invitations. And I think it's really important as human beings that we sort of navigate our path by being aware that people, it's not random that you came up to me, for instance, and it's not random that Wanderlust invited me to teach. And it's not completely random that I'm doing a talk next week. And it's sort of like when you're ready, like the people will come. It doesn't need to be forced or pushed. So for me lately, um, as far as sharing my gifts, which I feel like is just the, the, my own awakening. It's like we all, it's like the hero's journey. It's like you learn about yourself and then the, the, the journey is to share it. Mm. If you do a path and you, you overcome some obstacles, but you don't share it, you're missing that really key component to sort of that cyclical journey, which has been going on forever. The hero's journey that, that, young talks about and that you know we kind of work through in life it's like overcome struggle realize you have this potential you never knew you had and then to share that that you learned with somebody else that's going to need to know what you know and that's going to help them on their journey so it's super cyclical and like reciprocal like we're all working together as this kind of collective and i think a lot of times we forget that and we're like Mm -hmm. i'm in it for me and screw that guy and you know it's all about getting to the top or you know these are stupid old Mm. paradigm things but we're still seeing that play out in our political system for sure and the way that we we deal with other countries and different things it's like that Mm. scarcity mentality that for me to succeed you have to fail and it's just a false pretense because the universe is abundant and infinite and so there's enough for everybody and the more that we do all step up and step forward and the more that we lift each other up instead of hold someone down in the the way that I think that I can get further if you don't you know challenge me or become a competitor um you know then we all thrive and we're not just surviving because survival is that lower consciousness it's that first chakra that root chakra energy that's tribal that's like about just you know sticking with your clan and these are my views and and yet at the at the the base also is that awareness somewhere in there that we are one but it takes that journey kind of upward through the either the layers of consciousness or those chakras are a beautiful map for that journey as well to start to understand that I don't know if that makes sense because no, it it's does. a lot, but it's like there's just this natural progression of what happens. It's like this againstness and then this awareness and then this coming together. Mm. And then I think we're in that space and time right now where there's there's a lot of people awakening to the yeah. fact that there's enough and like I want to help you and we're going to work together and we're in tribes and communities yeah. that really we want to serve. I think uh, one comment and then a question. I really love the metaphor. Again, I think many of us are familiar with the chakras. And I love how you just referred to it as a map. Yeah. I, I had not thought of that, of the chakras as a map. Yeah. And that's cool. 
it's cool. The chakras are an amazing system to study. I really recommend Carolyn Mace if you haven't read her books, Anatomy of Spirit, Sacred Contracts. I mean, they are powerful, like so interesting, life-shifting books. We'll definitely add that book into the blog post when we yeah. at the end. Very yeah. cool. And then this question earlier, you had said how instrumental your yoga practice, your home practice was for you. And um, with the name of our podcast, Yoga Revealed, what has yoga revealed for you with the consistency of a home practice? I I mean, my husband calls me the yoga queen and I really resist that because it's just a sort of stupid term, but it's like I've become somewhat obsessed when I found yoga because for me it was like a religion. I never grew up in a household with religion. It was actually more like God had let my family down, you know, that was the energy that I was born into. And so God was associated with religion. And so for me, it was very sort of cynical and like, you know, you got to do this on your own. Like God is not going to help you. And it, it, it was based on some circumstances that my family went through before I was born. But it was like for me to overcome that limiting belief that God equals religion and or that God equals kind of a weakness because you're giving your power up to this like preacher who's going to, you know, interpret what the, the gospel says or that kind of stuff. So I had no relationship with like God or spirit really. So for me, when I found yoga, it, what struck me and I was in that Bikram stuff too, that wasn't, it's so physical and there's no oming, there's no like references to any philosophy or, or texts at all. But what I started to feel in my body was like an awareness of something greater than myself. And so I never would have called it like God or spirit at those, those times earlier on. But I started to feel something that like awakened in me this um, curiosity about sort of the infinite and this Mm. type of thing. And so as I've progressed on my yoga journey from Iyengar yoga, getting into vinyasa yoga and training a lot with an Iyengar yoga teacher who was like very deep and very philosophical and very Mm. alignment based, I just started getting deeper and deeper into that awareness of I'm not my body, I'm not my mind, because I started to feel into that presence that is, you know, I feel it a lot in the shavasana when you're just totally spacing out after Mm. the, the physical activity or getting into the meditation a little bit like kind of floating outside of the body, like noticing that that energy that is me is not contained by this physical form. So what yoga revealed for me, which is like the greatest gift that so far in my life I've ever received was a a relationship with that, which is greater than this like human form, my Mm. mind and my body. It's like truly a relationship with spirit, which is so precious and, um, Yeah, it's interesting. It's just like it brings up a lot of emotion even because it's like, how did I live all those years without knowing that? You know, it's Mm -hmm. like I didn't even it's like I had my eyes like sort of barely open to the life experience. And I know that there's so much more that will occur and that I can open up to. So I'm just really dedicated to the path. I'm like I'm a seeker, but not in like the needing to know, but just like the joy of the journey. Because every day that I practice on my mat, And I do get it kind of more on my own if I do my own practice because it's like much more inward than just listening to a teacher tell you what to do, Mm -hmm. which is also just a beautiful and wonderful experience. But when I take the time to be on the mat and just sort of explore my own body and just go with what feels like what's moving me, I get closer to God. 
Mm. And there's nothing to me that's more precious than that because mm. I feel like that's who we truly are. And I'm starting to awaken to that awareness. And, you know, it's like you get hit with that and you want to share it because mm. it's like, it's good. Mm. <laughs> it's good stuff. Mm. How do you share that with, well, if I were to go back not even six years ago, I would have been a high skeptic. And um, I, I've always been optimistic, but I would not have been open to the beliefs or the perspectives that I currently embody and I currently embrace. Mm. So say you're talking to Alex six years ago, seven years ago, or there's someone of such a stature in your class, your classes yeah. um, here at Wanderlust. How do you present to individuals who are open, who are receptive, this God channel, this spirit channel, this download, mm. as well as to others who are maybe are a little less receptive, but trying to keep the yeah, whew, you get it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a it's a it's a, it's a tapestry that we weave as a teacher, and I think what's so important is that um, saying that I told you before that it really struck me is just like have that intention to serve without being attached to the result. So when you look at a, a class, there is that quality in this this skill of reading the energy in the room. So there may be, I mean, I really do try to tune in and that's why I do this invocation before I start teaching or practicing. It's like, let this be of service. And it's sort of like I'm giving it up to God's spirit and I'm saying, please work through me in some way that I can be of service for the highest good of those people that are here. And I trust, just like you invited me to be here right now, that those people that show up, they need to be there for some reason. And what I'm going to say, because it's not about me, it's coming through me if I'm, you know, sort of channeling in a way that if I've cleared the vessel, you know, if I have like a lot of shit going on in my personal life, it's going to be hard for me to sort of receive the messages. I'll have like this static. And so I won't, I'll be thinking. And there's some classes where it's all from my head. And it's a fine class and people will be like, thanks, you know, great. But then I can just feel it sometimes like, and it's, it's a lot of times actually, when you, when you ask to be used as a vessel for spirit, that's, a, that's exactly what this universe is looking for, is for people that are willing to do the work to clear the channel so that they can stand there and ask to be of service and then to just trust. Like, I never know what I'm going to do in my class, like, ever. I try to prepare. Like, I have all these papers in there that I was like, I'm going to prepare. Like, my body just so resists it because I never know what it's going to feel like to stand in the class. And so I trust that those people that are there, that are seekers, that are on the path, are going to receive something because I'm there, because I was invited to be there and I'm there for a reason. I trust that. And then there's those people that are skeptics that, and there's nothing wrong with that because you and I were both in that place. It sounds like not that long ago. Hmm. I mean, I was really cynical and I would make fun of like yogis that look like you and me right now, like wearing the scarf and the mala beads. We're like so in it. And we're just like, oh, geez, that's cheesy. But, um, what I think and what happens is, um, you try to meet people where they're at, right? So if it's a whole class of like total beginners, I'm going to take it a lot, take it easy on the like full prayer and like heavy <laughs> duty, just like God and spirit, you know, cause that's, that's discernment. You know, that is like reading the energy. It's like this person has never, ever had an experience before. So I'm going to make it fun and joyful and like enjoyable just to like roll around and feel their bodies. But then you can sense that some people are, more open like the class we did here we had this beautiful musician that was just like so spacey and far out and so we just 
started the class as if we were born from the stars, which we are. And I just kind of went with it because we were in black light and it felt like we were in the, like the, the womb of creation in some way. You know, it wasn't a stretch to think that. And then taking that journey together, you know, you can, there's like a thread. You can kind of sort of feel if people are with you or not. And I think the, the discernment is knowing if you have, if people are with you or not, you know, like thinking you've got this, like, I'm just, this is awesome. Like I'm rocking this. And then you're looking around and people are like, huh? Like you got to let that go and then sort of lighten it up or whatever. Mm. You know, it's just, Mm. it's such a cool, fun, I feel like it's like conducting an orchestra, but without the music sheet in front of you, it's more like the music is coming from somewhere and you're feeling it. And so you're putting it out there and, and hopefully the bodies are responding and if they're not, then, you know, to, to have that awareness to sort of step back a little bit, lighten it up a little bit, do a little like freeform dance or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, when you were when you were teaching in the beginning, well, your, your Dharma talk, if you will, uh, had amazing, gosh, like this, this download, you know, I, I, could, I could I felt it and I was a part of the community. I was part of the, uh, the the students there and we were receiving and it was very similar to last night listening to Xavier Rudd and, mm. and you know, just observing how potent his ability and, and uh, will and openness to channel divine spirit mm. through his instrument of voice and vibration of sound yeah. and instrument literally uh i think you know they go they were both uh, very connected in how you guys were uh transmitting and what i noticed a common thread was you know like yes we all have ego and it's all important you know i, I think that it's, it's it is who who am i who are you who is xavier rudd yeah but in that the 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 sheath of where this the spirit is coming through through the vessel to transmit what is being downloaded. Ooh, it's such a hard uh, uh, thing to verbally explain because it's visceral. Yeah. So visceral. How do you continue to let go of this uh, part of the ego that does want to come out because... You know, we all want recognition, and I think that's important. I think yeah. that it's beautiful to see mm-hmm. and be seen. Yeah. And whew, download. Yeah. And share. Well, I think it's so much. I mean, great question, and just like kind of feeling into what is true. And first, I want to comment on that idea of like what Xavier Rudd is saying, and a lot of what I hear Sean Korn saying, and Rod Stryker saying, and whether it's Ashley Turner or Carrie or any of these amazing, I think, amazing teachers. I think there's a there's a fundamental truth out there. And so be, it sounds so familiar in every religion and every kind of spiritual teacher. It's like their own version of the same stuff. And so what Marianne Williamson says or even Tony Robbins or you know whoever these like self-help like gurus that people are like, "Wow." It's like it's the same stuff with a little different twist. So my version of it, I'm going to tap into the truth because the truth is like literally we're all tapping into that that awareness of that infinite of that we are one of that like what does namaste really mean it means that we all come from the same stuff and separation is the thing that's the illusion so we're all tapping into that universal truth and i can say it in a way that just is flat and just Mm. say guess what everybody we're all one and it'd be like whatever but there's a part when you start to connect and 
whoever it is that's channeling it, like we all have our perceptual filters because of where we grow up. You're Indian Jew, I'm Italian, you know, Catholic, I guess. And um, it's going to come through my filter and come out in such a way that it's going to resonate more with some people than others. And then other teachers are going to resonate more with other people. And so I think your question about how is not to worry about how, it's just to mm. trust that you are a vessel. We all are a vessel for spirit because we are these spiritual beings and that to trust that the version of this truth that comes through you is going to hit the people that it's going to resonate with. And it's so much about energy. I like to do that round of rolling gnomes in the beginning of class. It's so funny because often it doesn't work and people just stop and I'm like, no, no, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> so, but when you keep going, there's this, this moment where it's just like 60, 70, 80, 150, 200 people, they get just one sound and like you see the sound waves kind of synchronize mm. and that happens with information too. Mm. So I may be talking to you and my version of truth is coming in and it starts to hit where it synchronizes or it resonates with you on that level where you're like, oh, I feel that. Mm. And you feel like an emotional, like visceral reaction. Like you said, somebody else who's a powerful, amazing teacher may be transmitting the truth, but it just isn't going to resonate on your wavelength just the same. And so that teacher is not going to be someone that you're like super, you know, connected with as much. You may recognize them as, you know, a wonderful being or whatever, but it's like they didn't strike you. Mm. And I think it's cool, like I'm an unknown person like on the, the yoga circuit as far as like teaching at Wanderlust and stuff. And um, I think it's really cool because there's no expectation. It's like nobody knows who I am. Mm. I imagine in 10 years from now, if I'm still doing this and I'm doing, you know, if I'm doing my job, which is clearing the channel so that I can do this work, that maybe there'll be more people and they might know who I am. And then there might be an expectation like, when I go to Sean Korn's class, I'm like, I want to feel into like this intensity that she brings. And honestly, I went to her class yesterday and, and I was less affected in, because I've sort of shifted. Like I needed that so much at a certain state in my life where I was like, what she was saying was just hitting me and just like resonating so deeply. And now it's not to say that it doesn't, but it's not the same, mm. right? Because I've discovered a truth within myself that right. knows like, you know what? Like I get that that's amazing and I'm going to I'm going to channel it in this way and that resonates more with me and then there's people that might show up for that so again it's so much about just like being true to who you are and 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 being quiet enough to understand like how you can tune that tuner you know when you're on the radio and you're like there's static 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 and then you get the signal so that's what it is to be a teacher is to just keep tuning so that you can find the signal within all the noise and I think the noise is really like all those books that I've read and all the other teachers that I've, I've learned from and thinking that they all know better than me and that for me as an individual, like who am I to go out there and say anything? I don't have this training and I don't have this like background. I haven't been practicing that long. I mean, I was doing Bikram yoga not that long ago. Like who's going to ever want to listen to me? And it's like trusting that the more that I tune that tuner and I find the signal that whatever comes out is is going to be something that might resonate with somebody. And if it does, great. And if it doesn't, I don't take it personally. And I'm not like, oh, I suck so bad. Like, anyway. You know, <laughs> yesterday I was beating myself up about something. It was a, just an old story. And uh, my, my best friend, he came up to me and was like, can you forgive yourself just a little? <laughs> not a lot, just a little bit. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's... Uh, I love friends like that, right? <laughs> yeah. They're just like, dude, okay. 
And to think like, I always think you're going to get it in the past. I thought I'm going to get it one day. Cause like, if you're a seeker on the path, it's like you get these little bits and you're just like, yes, I got it. And the moment you think you got it, you get knocked on your ass. Like at least in my experience, it's like from a high of like kind of an awakening, like a moment of sort of expansion. Mm. The next day I can wake up and be in like such a funk, like where I have no recollection of what that feeling was anymore. I knew it happened, but I'm like, I'm just so hard on myself. That's stuff in my brain is negative and it's like it's like I'm you know we're bringing ourselves down all the time and there's something about that it's like again we have to overcome these some these kind of weird impulses for us to kind of judge ourselves a lot and then we judge others mm. so my work right now is so much about being aware of judgments and and yeah. really forgiving myself for making those judgments about myself and other people it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I think that's a, a great segue to kind of talk about judgment. Um, just even uh, right here where you're talking about the other teacher whose teachings uh, maybe don't resonate with you. It can be hard instead of being like, oh, this teacher's teachings don't really resonate with me and be like, I'm judging you because your yeah. teachings don't resonate with yeah. me. Yeah. I find, at least in my own life, like I will most definitely say, yeah, I, I judge. I don't want to be someone who's like, I am not a judger. <laughs> I have no judgment in my life. Like, it's, it's really... I, I will not say that. Yeah. I, I would be lying. You know, but I, I do feel it's important in my own experience to acknowledge out loud when I am judging. And it's very vulnerable for me mm-hmm. to express to my beloved brothers or sisters, like... I'm judging you for this experience and I want to release myself of those chains, yeah. you know, and to, to acknowledge judgment. Yeah. That to me is like a little more, that's like taking the steps to compassion. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so how is it, uh, when we find ourselves judging, what are in your life? Like, what are the, what's the practice that you embrace when you find judgment arising in the mind? Well, I mean, it's just this path of awareness. And so, with anything, until you shine a light on it, it has control over you. In a sense, it's like we all have the ability to write our own story, let's say, in life. But until we, we know or are aware of our behavior, we can't really shift the like the ending. We can't shift the way that we're going to tell that story because we're not aware that that's our story. Does that make sense? Yeah. So when I notice... By becoming aware, by slowing down, by looking, it's, you know, really called self-inquiry. It's like, let's try to name those things. Like if there's a stressor in my life where I'm feeling stressed and I find myself saying I'm upset because or I feel angry because or I feel frustrated because it's like, can you unpack that? And then you just ask why. A lot of time there's blame. And when there's blame, there's judgment. And so looking at the judgment and saying, okay, I'm judging my husband for this behavior. And then the immediate thing to do when you're aware of it is to look inside and say, where am I doing that to myself? Because the only person that you can change is yourself. And we've Mm -hmm. heard that a thousand times. But once you like really (laughs) understand that, like really understand that, you can become free of trying to change the outer circumstances to make your life feel more comfortable or more, you know, in alignment. And it's really tough because it's so like, I think we're conditioned to believe like ever since you're a kid, it's like, I'm not, not my fault. He did it. You know, you're blaming your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad for everything. Like since you were aware and able to talk like, no. Eh. And so like <laughs> to take it away and, and, and shift and just take, it's like this radical responsibility. It's saying like, anytime that I feel myself being in judgment, which you start to become 
really aware of once you have a practice. And again, it's like the same practice of observation and being a witness versus being reactive. So it is a practice, just like yoga is a practice, meditation is a practice. It's a practice to be aware of how you respond and then how you show up. So I find myself like naming it. I'm like, I am upset because he didn't do this. And I'll go like, you know, he's not being very, um, he's not being a good listener, for instance. And then I'll just take it instead of like yelling at my husband and being like, you just are not listening and la la la. I'll just stop and pause, take a breath, turn it around. Where am I not, where am I not listening to myself? Immediately I feel something where it's like, gosh, you know, I've been in my mind feeling like I needed to take a break or or not go to this meeting that feels like such an obligation or whatever. And um, it, it loosens the tension for a moment. It's mm-hmm. kind of like once I reveal that the judgment is actually about my own self versus about the person I'm projecting it onto, then I become free to react in a different way instead mm-hmm. of in anger or reacting in like, um, I don't know, I just say like these lower level emotions yeah. in a sense of just like blame and, and chastising and demoralizing somebody because that feels like kind of good, self-righteous. It's kind of like, oh, I have compassion because I feel that way too. I haven't been listening to myself, so I can understand how come mm. he's not listening to me. And it just takes some of the charge off of it. Yeah. And I don't know if that's answering your question, but it's like it's mm-hmm, a ritual of stop, observe, breathe, respond with compassion. So it's like sober. You have this sober response mm. where you can just be like, Whew. and you notice it because we're aware of our bodies. It's called somatic experiencing or like, okay, I'm feeling the heat. I'm feeling the tingling. I'm feeling the tightness. Mm. You become aware of those signals and then you can stop instead of just releasing that uh, aggression and that thing on somebody else. You can just sort of like neutralize it a little bit with that mm. ritual. And it does take a little practice and awareness, but it's not hard. And it's an amazing tool mm. to just like be cooler in general, you lighter, know? lighter, friendly, and yeah. like truly friendly, not just like fake friendly. Yeah. Like, oh, I love the world. <laughs> like if you don't do that work on yourself, you're just like a puppet. You're just saying the words, but it's, it's not coming from inside and you mm. can sense it. Mm. Right. Yeah. It's like bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Mm. Last question, Gina. Thank you. What would be one little golden nugget of wisdom that you'd like to offer to our listeners, to the people on the path, being human? Ooh, you human beings, let's just say you are beautiful. You are infinite and immortal. And don't forget that. And you are infinite love. And um, I will just share my little uh, epitaph or something that resonates with me. Um, and I encourage everybody out there to write that which you might see on your gravestone or take a moment to sit quietly and look and think about what would you want people to say about you at your funeral no matter how old you are and you want to live into that path like the person that you know you want to be start living that way right now Mm. so it's like what are your priorities is it about your family is it about your dharma or is it like all about your job and just like sort of hanging on um it helps, you know, not to live in that space of regret. If you realize, like, this is who I want to be at the end of my life, I'm going to start living that right now. And it takes a little practice to, like, just sit and think about what that might look like. So for me, I wrote this little, like, poem um, <clears throat> that was like, this is who I am or this is what feels true for me right now. And it's, uh, it goes like this. 
So it says, beauty. I am the dancing flame, shining bright like the sun. Heartfelt joy is my compass, spirit my vessel, gratitude the sea on which I sail, grace. So for me, it's just like, this is who I am. I want joy to be my compass. I want spirit to be my vessel and gratitude just to be that like effervescence, like every moment. I'm grateful for every breath. Mm. Yeah. Just living into that. That feels true for me. So namaste. What a gift. Namaste, Gina. Thank you so much. You're welcome. That was joyful. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Yoga Revealed Podcast. You can learn more about Gina Murdoch and her community in Colorado at aspenyogasociety.org. This organization is dedicated to curating and amplifying existing events that serve to the greater good. You can learn more at her website, aspenyogasociety.org. This is Alec Vishal Rubin, and we are looking forward to sharing more teachers from amazing festivals like Wanderlust and Hanuman Yoga Festival. What a gift it is to share one-on-one conversations with yogis who have dedicated 30-plus years of practice into their life. Stay tuned through yogareveal.com and sign up for our newsletter so we can share with you all that we're working on. Until next time, my friends, love life and shine on. Namaste. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.